It is a Thursday, and J.R. Davis is back from Washington, D.C. How are things uh, up in the nation's capital? Well, I can report that it's still there, Dave. It's still there? It's still, it's there. still as radioactive as uh, normal? Okay. Yeah. I know. I, I, I love going up there and visiting, but about two days is all I can take. Yeah, I agree. I loved I loved my time up there. Uh, when I lived there, but yeah, I, I, now I'm at the point in my life where it's nice to go up a few times a year, but nice to I get like away. Huh? Yeah. All right. So your thoughts, I'm just going to start it off with a, just a, a big generic question for you. Your thoughts thus far were through a caucus and through a primary, your we're, thoughts. Well, you know, don't get me started on the caucus. Is that we're still, is, is that thing That's still, still going on? Still, in fact, the head of I the Iowa that. Democratic Party is gone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was, that's just, you do it for so long and you screwed up on an app because you're worried about giving your folks the information yeah. and walking them through it beforehand because didn't test it. Didn't want to, didn't want the, that sort of software to get out. I'm like, come on, man. Anyway, uh, no, I think it's, uh, you know, Pete Buttigieg has been uh, surprising. Uh, I mean, we're talking about a guy who's from the fourth largest town in Indiana as mayor, and he's he's one of the front runners at this point. One, and and one it. of the worst run towns in Indiana. May I? Well, may I mention that? And, and it, but it's remarkable. I mean, that this is just a small town mayor, and he's he wins Iowa. Uh, and I think what's important about New Hampshire is. Yes, he came in second, but Bernie Sanders beat Hillary Clinton by 22 points in New Hampshire in 2016. Yeah, but just apples and oranges, two but, people versus how many No, people. I agree with that, but I do think that Buttigieg is taking some of that youth vote away from Bernie yeah, Sanders. Yeah, that's probably true. And so that's where I think Bernie could be in trouble. We'll see how Buttigieg, I mean, look, these let's, first let's four vote. primaries let's, are let's so all over the map. Democrats. Well, and that's actually a very good point. I wondered, for you know, look, we, you and I pay attention to this more so than than probably your average uh, Arkansan yeah. or American. But uh, I kept thinking to myself, you know, it's so strange that there hasn't been a whole lot more made of the fact that he is an, a, a homosexual. They're um, afraid to. I think that's part of it. But I also thought that you know, well, maybe maybe people don't care as much as I thought that they did. Mm. But then you see that video of the caucuser in Iowa, who was caucusing for Pete Buttigieg until someone said he's gay. Yeah. And she had no what? idea. No. No idea. And so it just makes me wonder if people just aren't paying attention to that side of it yet, and maybe they will once we get closer to Super Tuesday. Mm-hmm. But you might as well have just, I mean, you could not get more different states in those four first states with Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, and South Carolina. They're all over the map. I think you're going to end up having three candidates win the first four states, and then Super Tuesday is just up for grabs and what Bloomberg's doing. We saw the poll here in Arkansas. I think that's probably indicative to some of the other southern states. I, I so, got it. He's, yeah. he's at 19.6% in Arkansas. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think it's going to be uh, very entertaining, remarkable uh, primary for the Democrats because I think we're going to have several candidates win some states. The delegate count's going to be fairly even, and we're going to go into a brokered convention, and it's going to be Really entertaining to watch. I will say Joe Biden continues to uh, disappoint, if you will. 
the guy has to win South Carolina at this point. I do think he still has um, a chance. Uh, I, I, yeah, I still think he has a chance. I think he actually has probably more of a chance than some people give him right now because of Super Tuesday. Those okay. are a lot of the states that I think you're going to see a switch to some of the more moderate um, candidates in this race. Okay. Like maybe an, I think probably the biggest surprise really is Amy Klobuchar. She came out of nowhere. I think Warren is days away from folding it in. Yeah. Um, and which would prove to be a uh, a big deal for Bernie Sanders. I, look, you know, I think we're so far away. We could, you know, pontificate and say that, you know, maybe Bloomberg's strategy might work, which is very interesting, by the way. Maybe Biden ends up, you know, it's um, surging uh, as we get closer to Super Tuesday. I don't think necessarily Pete Buttigieg is going to continue on this route. I think he'll kind of go back to the middle of the pack or, you know, third or fourth. So I don't know. It's hard to say, but I think that right now, if I had to put money on it, uh, I would put it on three candidates, and that's Bloomberg, Biden, or Sanders. Okay. So, I mean, I just don't think anyone else can can do it. Um, I think Sanders is going to have probably the most consistent support. I think Bloomberg's strategy... I put Bloomberg in there because I am really inter- like interested to see how his strategy works. I, I think in any other election year... You know, ain't going to happen. But I think he was was actually pretty smart strategy saying, look, his first debate's this next one coming up. He hasn't had to be up there on stage and be pushed. I'm not, not saying he's not left, but at see least, how boring he really right. is. Yes, exactly. I actually think the debate <laughs> really is. Yeah, I think the debate's probably going to end up hurting him, but uh, he hasn't had to do that. He's just put a ton of money into these other states. Mm-hmm. He's playing for Super Tuesday. So who knows, but, you know, it's just weird. You see, Sanders is probably the front runner. Bloomberg is the unknown, and Biden's the guy you just – I never want to completely count out because I do think he has a a sort of floor support that's not going to drop below a certain amount, especially with African-Americans. Yep. So, Although he's you know, losing the support there. He is. Mayor Scott came out. He didn't and back that's part, Biden. No, he didn't, and that's part of the uh, – I do think that's part of Bloomberg's strategy. He's been really working some of these mayors – in some of these southern states and some of these smaller states, uh, which is paying off for Bloomberg. You know, what do endorsements mean? Probably not a whole heck of a lot. It is probably, you know, the biggest takeaway is that it is an African-American mayor who's backing Bloomberg and not Biden. Um, But I still think Biden, that Obama connection, means something to a lot of African-Americans. And so we'll see how that works. But I'm telling you right now, South Carolina, he has to win South Carolina, and I think he has to win it. And significantly. Yes, by a pretty healthy margin. Yeah, I would say by at least five points. Yeah. He's got to pull it What's out. What's that poll show right now as far as number two in I, South Carolina? Have you I seen had one not of those? looked yeah. at it yet. I have not even been paying any attention. I've been trying Might to get well my rest back. <laughs> uh, staying up late Tuesday night uh, and then came in yesterday, and I was I was red eye <laughs> to be honest after staying up because I'm one of those terrible people that will sit in front of the TV as the numbers roll by and just yeah. keep on watching. Oh yeah, I get hooked I on it. it. I, I get hooked it. on it. All right, so Gallup did a poll, and what time is it? It's about a quarter after six. So we'll we'll take a break here in just a second, and then I'll come back and share these, and then I want to share with you everybody been talking about james carvel and that rant that he went on uh it wasn't a typical really good carvel rant, but it was pretty good he had some pretty good things in it and i'm gonna play it for you so you can hear it yeah because he says some very significant things in that rant like 
why is Tom Perez still the head of the DNC? Yeah, that's well, where he starts. Yeah, he starts right there, and we'll, we're going to pick that uh, pick that up. But uh, well, let me go ahead and and do this Gallup thing. Uh, what they did is they asked Republicans and Democrats who they could vote for. Could you vote for a black candidate? Could you vote for a woman candidate? Could you vote for a gay candidate, an evangelical Christian? So let me start at the top. It said, could you vote for a black candidate? Republicans, 91% of the Republicans said, yes, I could vote for a black candidate. 99% of Democrats said, yes, I could vote for a black candidate, a woman candidate. 99% of Democrats said that 86% of Republicans. I found that kind of interesting when I saw that. Evangelical Christian. 77% 77% of Democrats could vote. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. That yeah. means 23% would not vote for an yeah. evangelical Christian. 88% of Republicans said that they would vote for an evangelical uh, candidate. A openly gay candidate. 89% of Democrats, 62% of Republicans. Uh, you get down to Muslims. 88% of Democrats, I don't have any problem with voting for a Muslim. Uh, 42% of Republicans said, yeah, I could vote for a Muslim. Uh, atheist, this was a good one. 69% of Democrats could vote for an atheist. 41% of Republicans could vote for an atheist. Mm. A socialist. Mm, here we go. 17% of Republicans say they could vote. For a socialist, what do you think the pop the, the percentage for the Democrats? Are? I'm going to say uh, a a an astounding and disappointing majority. Yeah. Well, yeah. Large. Zach, how many? What percentage of Democrats could vote for a socialist? Do you think? Ninety-two percent. Yeah, you're. you're that's way too high. Seventy-six <laughs> uh, percent of Democrats say they wow. could vote. But, I mean, that's significant yeah. in and of its 76% of Democrats can vote for a socialist. Well, are I, you people crazy? Yes. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they okay. are. Well, I, will, I think I like Zach's answer. They so all have I, TDS. I do. Zach just did to us what basically, you know, I do to my wife. She's like, you'll never believe how much this costs. And I'm like, $2? <laughs> She's like, uh, no, it was like 20 You know, it's just this yeah. I was like, oh, okay, well. Um yeah, no, I th- I think I mean that's pretty telling. I, th- those that's actually a really great poll because it really kind of shows you where both parties are and how some you know we've moved quite a bit. I think the number on you know voting for uh, uh, an African American president, yeah, that's uh, incredible. Republicans, huge uh, uh, female. Um, I think uh, uh, even you know even a homosexual candidate in the low sixties. It's interesting to see how things have moved. The Democrats, though, to me more so is the largest shift because they continue. To hit in those high 80s, low 90s on some of these things that are fairly surprising. Well, I say 80s, 90s, but still a large majority on some of the things like, uh, you know, homosexual candidate, Muslim, atheist, and then socialist. They are the lowest number. If you you take atheists and socialists off the board, all right, and go with you're born, you know, they're going to say a a gay person's born that way. Uh, Gay, Muslim woman, black, even Hispanic. I didn't get into that. I didn't get into all of them. But if you looked at all of those, the lowest one is evangelical Christian. 
Not surprising. They can't vote. They couldn't vote for a, a you know, a, a a really outstanding Christian person. And that should speak, uh, or should underscore some of the decisions that have been made by Democrats as of late. We talked about this before, but the DNC just recently passed some resolution that basically condemned uh, those who had some sort of religious affiliation. Uh, and and uh, and embraced uh, basically non-religious individuals. So when you talk about atheists yeah. and that figure, that they have you no problem. Sixty-nine percent, and that's the state of the Democratic Party. Um, and it's uh, it, it's astonishing. And and unlike twenty sixteen, where we had a you know tremendous amount of Republican uh, candidates running, and and Democrats love to poke fun and make fun of that. There was still some. Uh, there was a there was a lot of overlap in what those Republicans believed. And I think that's why most of them ate each other and gave basically Donald Trump the path to victory. Democrats are all over the map, but I think more so than not, it's left, left, left. And if you're not left enough, you're not a true Democrat. You get left behind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the way that it it works. And um, Patricia Heaton uh, came out with a a statement the other day uh, talking about abortion and how if you're pro-life, forget it. You can't even get into the Democrat Party now. Uh, the lady that's, what is it, Democrats for uh, for Life, who was asking Buttigieg about that, and he wouldn't give her a straight answer about no. it? Oh, Sanders did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's mean, no place straight, for no you. Place. There's no place in the Democratic Party. That's, the aardvark. Yeah, you know? that's where they are. <laughs> um, you know, I will, I will mention one thing we talked about, you know, kind of uh, – what I think is going to happen in the primary. I just looked over on the TV and forgot about the the newest information on Bloomberg with the stop and frisk and some of the comments he That's had. That's going to hurt him, well, I'm telling he's you. Well, he's going to get beat, uh, beat down hard in this next debate. Uh, they're going to gang up on him because I do think a lot of them are threatened. You heard Elizabeth Warren bring him up unsolicited yeah, yeah. the other night. And, uh, and so I think that, you know, it's just interesting. This thing is so up for grabs I mean, you could tell me Tulsi Gabbard makes a run, and I'd be like, "All right, well, you know, yeah. let's see." It's just, it's, it's, it's. Um, but scary is the only reason she's not making a run is because she has more common sense than probably most of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, seriously. Yeah. Well, I mean, think but, about and she's it. radical, all right, but yeah. she's not really radical. Yeah. Well, Bloomberg, I think has, been, I think that's the establishment's. You know, I think there was a lot of excitement for Joe, especially early on, because he was leading by so much, and yeah. then he just underperformed, you know, left and right. Uh, and so I think Bloomberg was sort of emerging as this, you know, uh, kind of similar but opposite of Donald Trump, and he could take him on, and he's got the money, and then all this stuff comes out, and so then you wonder if if this ends up hurting him, and he has to drop out. Where do those votes go? I mean, where does the support go? It's that that's. This race, unlike other races, it's sometimes easy to say if so-and-so drops out, their votes will go to this candidate. Can't say that. You can't say that in this race. It's really we tough said it, to know. Hey, look, we said that during the Republican race that as these uh, conservatives went out, it was going to be their votes would go to the most conservative candidate, and it did not work out that way. Right. They went to Trump. That's true. You're exactly right. In this case, if I, you know, a lot of the, I, you know, I tweeted this uh, on uh, uh, the night of the New Hampshire primaries that if if Warren, because she did underperform, and that, a that's lot. a Boston market, that's a Boston media yeah, market, in yeah. New Hampshire, and she got nine percent of the vote. I don't think she's going to be in it for long. But when I say I, I said that's good news for for uh, Sanders. That's probably just low hanging fruit because I think you know a lot of her. Uh, backers are 
well-educated, affluent. I think they align more with a Pete Buttigieg, you know, and I think, or I think at least he could pull some of that support from Sam, or from uh, Warren. So, I mean, it's it's just uh, I, I true. I say this, and I'm being genuine about it. This is this is fun. I'm enjoying this. It is fun. Mm-hmm. It's entertaining. I'm keeping up with the Democratic primary more than I've ever kept up with it in my <laughs> life. And, and, and the good news is, this isn't something that's giving them a platform for people. You know, oh, it's the Democrats, and they're getting more airtime. It's just a train wreck, and you can't you can't look away, and no one knows what's going to happen. And if anybody tells you they know, they are lying because yeah, nobody I, knows. I'm, I don't have a clue. I, I am. you you couldn't have convinced me that Buttigieg would be no have have the most votes right now, the most delegates by one, but that he would have showed up as hard as he did in Iowa and in uh, New Hampshire. Both. I think that people underestimate. They put too much emphasis on the name and the ID of the candidate and not as much on the infrastructure. And Pete Buttigieg has a pretty incredible infrastructure. And what we've seen in Iowa and in New Hampshire, I think Elizabeth, I say that Elizabeth Warren's the same way, but I think she's, you know, I just think that she's kind of losing some of her luster. Biden has like just no infrastructure. I don't understand it. Uh, for a former vice president, he thought he was going to waltz yeah. through it. I mean, he just, you know, and the thing with Joe is Joe's he's, the, he's uh, the equivalent of the Baltimore Ravens in football. Yeah. I'm just saying, yeah. going in, thinking going you're going to just beat everybody up and then you lay an egg. You get beat by the Titans. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll take All a break. Right. We'll take a break. J.R. Davis is here. He's with the Gilmore Group. We'll be back to talk with him some more. I got more numbers for you. I mean, like. How are the Democrats playing in Arkansas like they're playing in the rest of the United States? We'll talk about that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. It's 39 degrees. It's uh, 625 in the morning. No rain today. Going to get some sunny skies a little later. I can get into a little bit of old Saul today. So that's coming your way. All right. It's uh, 630 here at uh, The Answer. It's 39 degrees. We got the news for you. Then when we get back, J.R. Davis and I will continue talking. We'll give you the breakdown of the numbers for the Democrat candidates here in the state. All right. 25 minutes till 7 or 635, whichever is your cup of tea. 39 degrees. It's going to be dry today. Going to have the sun today. But it's going to be kind of cool today as the high today will only be 44 degrees. Did you see what they're saying that temperature next week is going to be it's going to be in low 60s every day oh that's fantastic i'm all about that i'm all about come on spring this get is, here early this has been some of the worst stretch of weather i mean it's just it's not cold enough to snow but just miserable and just just constant my yard Gray. my front yard looks like a swamp yes that's what mine disgusting. looks like looks like a swamp yeah i'm waiting for it to dry enough that i can get out and run the, the mower over it not to cut the grass but just to clear the junk off yeah. the top yeah and the funny thing is so anybody with you know with a dog take them out in the morning every dog's different <laughs> some dogs don't like going out in the rain some dogs go out there do their business come back my dog happens to very <laughs> happens to be a very thoughtful uh creature where she will go out there and it could be a hurricane and she just sits in the middle of the yard and just kind of takes it all in and i'm i'm getting drenched and she's she loves it she's just you know she's smelling around just kind of looking around taking it in and you gotta get one of those 30 foot leashes i know well that's actually a very good point just sit up there on the front porch and <laughs> that's let her exactly right but let her walk around yeah she just sits there and just you know it's like she's just in self-reflection just you know uh, she's about a year and a half old and she's just 
She's got so much to think about. She loves to do it right in the middle of the yard during, you know, hurricane type conditions. So I've got fun. I've got a little a little dog. All right. I I kind of uh took over from my daughter. This was her dog and about four years ago I took him in. You know, Dexter wanted to be a part of the Dave Ellswick family. So he ended up he goes out and he runs out as quick as he can, sniffs around, does what he needs to do, and runs back in. I, I'm more, I already like Dexter. That's great. <laughs> yep. And then he gets right back in his bed, and I cover him up, and he He's doesn't move go. until probably 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. That's at 3 o'clock that I put him out. That's really funny. We So we have a, a, a corgi. And so she, she's I love, a, oh, I, I love her. She's incredibly smart, but it's funny. So when she was a puppy, she would sleep on the end of our bed. We're trying to break her of that. So she's been sleeping on her bed on the floor. Mm-hmm. And it's funny about two times a night. She just, you just see this head pop up. It's kind of like, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe right now. So this morning I got up, I, I took a, I took a shower and I looked at her. She was on her bed. I came back in and she was in my spot in the bed. You know, there she's you just go. like, she's like, Hey. Nope, you left. Yeah, left. Somebody's got to be up here. So she's very smart, but she's <laughs> very stubborn. Those the only time Dexter wants to get on the bed is if uh, it's lightning and thundering, mm. and he it's just scares the uh, the bejeebies out of him. And he gets up in bed with us, and then he'll get right next to me. Yep, and put and puts his head on my shoulder. Yeah, he wants to be as close as I guess he thinks that I can stop it from thundering and yeah. lightning. I'm. I'll let him believe what he wants to, well, but see, I can't do it. Exact opposite of our dog. When it thunders, she runs to the door and starts barking like she's going to take it on. You know, <laughs> like she thinks it's some enemy outside, and, and she doesn't understand what's happening, but she's yeah. she's ready to fight. She's already about it. It's hilarious. All right, you want to hear these numbers from the Democrats yeah. in, in Arkansas? Here we go. J.R. Davis is my special guest. He comes in on Thursdays. Give him credit. He gets up. He's here at 6 o'clock. In fact, I looked at him on the phone today, and I said, who texted me this early? <laughs> I looked at him, it was JR, said, how do I get in the building? Yeah, it's very different. I like this, kind of have the building to ourselves. But, yeah, there uh, ain't nobody here parking's but Parking's great, yeah. So I can say nobody but us chickens here. Uh, there are a number of candidates on the ballot in Arkansas, as you know, running for the Democratic nomination for president. This is a uh, talk business and politics slash Hendricks College poll. Uh, they're the only ones that really do any polling here in the state. And here's how it breaks down. Number one, for the Democrats, Michael Bloomberg, 19.6%. Joe Biden, number two, 18.5%. Number three, Pete Buttigieg, 15 point. Oh, I take that back. I, I missed up here. You got to go back up and go number three, Bernie Sanders. He's at 16.4. Then it's uh, Mayor Pete at 15.5. And then looking at the rest, 11% of the voters are undecided. 3.3% want someone else. And uh, we got Warren is at 8.9%. Yang's not even running anymore, so don't matter. And Amy Klobuchar is at 4.8%. And I don't know when this was taken. Uh, Is that the talk business poll? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, th- it'll be. This will be very interesting because I think that was before. Was this New before Hampshire. New Hampshire? I okay. think so. I think yes, it was February sixth and seventh. Yeah. Okay. So it was in the field before New Hampshire. I think Klobuchar will probably get a bump. 
I think Bloomberg's going to get hurt after this debate, uh, and we'll see what happens there. And I think with more of the stop and frisk and some of his kind of racially insensitive comments. He talks his, down to people. He does, yeah. He talks down to people. That usually does yeah. not equate to people liking you at all. Now read the, the, the top four one more time. Top four. Bloomberg, Biden, Sanders, Mayor Pete. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, it's it, it's it's impressive uh, what Bloomberg's been able to do without actually, you know, really being on the campaign trail. Um, but I, th- I actually think Biden might squeeze this one out in Arkansas. I, I just think Bloomberg's going to take a hit. Amy Klobuchar again is the one that I'm very interested in because I think she's going to get a bump after New Hampshire. She performed really well, uh, and she is sort of that. You know, I think she's perceived as that sort of moderate candidate. Uh, at least that's how she's run her campaign. Not necessarily how she's voted in the Senate, but that's how she's yeah. uh, run her campaign. Both her and uh, Mayor Pete are very radical people. And I think when you look when they stand on issues. Yeah, and I think that's what's so interesting in this race because we perceive them mm-hmm. to be more moderate because the backdrop is just so incredibly left. Uh, when you look at, I mean, because look, regardless of Are you of saying what, Bernie Sanders yeah. is a lefty? <laughs> I think, I, what's another, I mean, what, just straight up socialist? <laughs> yeah. I love how he Communist. says Democrat, socialist. Yeah, socialist. Exactly. But I think regardless of how uh, Elizabeth Warren is doing, I still think she is sort of the face as well as Bernie Sanders of, you know, sort of these primary candidates. And so when, you, when they're the backdrop, anybody else looks, you know, uh, somewhat moderate, uh, but I, I agree with you. I think if, I mean, there's really not a, uh, there's really not a moderate candidate left in this race, except for possibly Joe Biden. And honestly, I don't know what at this point I don't he know doesn't what Joe know what believes. he believes. It's, uh, I think he's in the early stages of dementia. To well, be honest with you, well, I mean, it is. It's tough to watch him on the debate stage, and it, you know. It's it's tough. And, and even his speeches. And that's the other thing, too. That should be the time you shine, right? Just, you know, give a speech. Nobody's pushing back on you. The thing with Joe, and this is what I've read a lot about, and, and you know, um, Joe has the personality. He's 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 always had sort of that, I always call it the grab a beer factor, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. he's a guy that you just want to sit down and visit with. You kind of like good old Uncle Joe. His retail politics is what he's always been really good at. Uh, but that's not what we saw in Iowa. In fact, he was fairly grumpy and irritable, uh, and not really personable with folks when they try to talk to him. There now was, you're there just were being a dog-faced pony soldier. Huh? You're just being a dog-faced pony soldier. I, I, it, I, that's I, what he said. That's is, what, is he, that what he? That's what he said. Yeah, he dog-faced pony soldier. Well, I was about to say that none of that voter, makes sense, and I was a possible like, voter. Well, so that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So he's. That's so funny. I literally was like, Dave, that makes no sense. And you said Biden said it, and I was like, yeah. oh, okay. Well, that that also that makes sense. A now. lady asked him with his low turnout in Iowa. Uh, you know, how was he going to convince the voters that he was a viable candidate? He says, have you ever been at a caucus? And I guess she said yes, because she says, no, you haven't. You're just a dog-faced pony soldier. Yeah, that's not going to win you the nomination. No. And but so, that's what I mean. He's that, His biggest strength is now one of his greatest weaknesses. And it's almost like uh, I think Joe would have fared much better in 2016. Uh, you know, I think. Who knows? But I think he would have fared much better in 2016. I think he was talked into running this time around. 
he just doesn't seem like he really cares that much, no. or at least he's not prepared. Uh, maybe maybe it was just arrogance that he thought, hey, I've done this. It's my time. I don't need to prepare. I mean, we go back to the infrastructure. Uh, you know, I don't know. He's It's been, I think, disappointing. I'm still not going to count him out because I do think he has a floor that other candidates do not, maybe besides possibly Bernie. Um, but, hey, listen, if you get to the convention and these delegates are, are fairly you know, even close, uh, and and Biden's there, and horse training begins. I'm telling you, it, that's what's going to be fascinating. It's the I always go back to. Uh, I love Team of Rivals. It's one of my favorite books. Uh, love Lincoln. Just the, the history, just the story and the history, but sp- specifically in Chicago at the Wigwam when they had the convention and went down to like a fourth ballot, mm-hmm. uh, and he ends up capturing the the nomination. It, it, it that to me, I think you know, we're talking almost, you know, uh, what, 150, 200 years ago almost, and not much has changed in that regard that when, you know, that first ballot's cast and you don't reach the threshold, you know, it's you gotta all, do all what you got to do at you gotta that start, point. You got to start meeting. You got to start pulling delegates. And it, it, that's what's so interesting. So it's funny because so much has changed in this country, but some of this, you know, has it. That's just the way you do it. And these, that, this convention is going to be... I'm just getting some popcorn, hang out, watch. It's going to be a blast. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to warn you about this because I've warned my listeners about it. At this time, four years ago, when Trump was running, people were talking about a broker convention. Right. It didn't happen. Those votes that, as people fallen out, went to Trump. I'm just, I'm just telling you. But who I, do you I, think is the candidate, though? I think Sanders. You think it's Sanders? I think Sanders. I think... The, the Democratic Party don't want him. But, you know, to be honest, Republican Party, for the most part, didn't want Trump. Yeah. Uh, you know, you could be right. I just don't. Trump was, first of all, the difference is we all kind of assume that Bernie's going to be the Trump as far as, you know, collect these votes as people drop out. Nobody really knew that with Trump, right? We just That's expected right. every time someone dropped out that it, the votes were going to go to a Cruz or a Rubio, something like that. It didn't happen. I just don't know. Uh, I, I think that as long as Buttigieg is in this race, and there's no reason to believe he's dropping out anytime soon, uh, I think he is going to pull some of that support away from Sanders, and there's going to be some sort of split. But I think that plays well for a candidate like a Joe Biden or an Amy Klobuchar you know, or a Bloomberg if he can actually weather this storm. But I think there's this, uh, there is a large faction of the Democratic Party that wants that sort of moderate. They may not believe it, but they also know they can't win uh, a general with someone like a Bernie Sanders. I don't believe they can. You well, know, they're sure not going to pull but, any Republican votes over to their Democratic ca- candidate, probably, if it is Sanders, since only 17% of Republicans say they'd vote for a socialist. Yeah, I mean, I look. I, just I mean, I'd like to Sanders see. I wish this it. had independence. Yeah, as well. That's what I would like to see because I, I know basically where Republicans and Democrats stand. If Sanders is the nominee for the Democrats, the the states he needs to capture to win, I think will, you know. And I say this because let's say that you know, Trump's underwater in some of these key states. Those independents are going to say, you know what? It's you know. I may not like Trump, I may not like the way he does things, but hey, the economy's doing well, I'm doing pretty good, we can do four more years. I'd rather do that than take a step towards socialism, which is what the Trump campaign is going to harp on. I mean, oh, they're gonna, sure. 
and it's not even like they have to do it. He's already painted, you know, Sanders has already painted himself as that, and he and he stands by it and embraces it. I just I think it's going to be very hard for him to capture the states he needs to capture to win the Electoral College. All right, let's take a break. J.R. Davis got one more segment with us. So we've got the, uh, I won't say the head of the NRA. We've got our our area head of the NRA up in the next hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we've got uh, nine minutes uh, before 7 o'clock, so you've got to be at work at 7. Edge the accelerator down just a little bit so you can get there on time. It's 39 degrees, going to be dry today, going to be sunny. And around the area, let's see, I'm looking at 43 in Cabot and Conway, 41 in Hot Springs, and 40 degrees in Pine Bluff. So we're the cold place here in central Arkansas right now at 39 degrees. You probably have heard all about the Raging Cajun, uh, Carville, coming out and just getting at the Democrats. This happened about a week ago. It was after Iowa, right after the Iowa caucus. And uh, I hadn't played this yet. We haven't had time. Uh, I got a little time here, and since JR is here, I want him to hear it as well. And then we'll talk about some of the major points that Carville makes, and here's what he had to say. And why is Tom Perez still the chairman of the Democratic National Committee? I have no idea. Uh, this party needs to, to wake up and, and make sure that we talk about things that are relevant to people. We need to go back to 2018, where we had good, diverse, strong candidates that had real connections to the community and talked about real things. We don't need to become the British Labor Party. That's, not, that's, not, that's a bad thing. It, it, it's not going well over there. So Democrats, and now I want to see the, hope these candidates and Pete, Mayor Pete's got something going. Hopefully Senator Warren can, can you know, become that, that student at the University of Houston, that single mother that knows the plights that people go through. Uh, who knows? Maybe Mayor, uh, Mayor Mike can, can come on. But right now, I got to tell you, I, I'm, I'm not very impressed. I got to say, James, I'm amazed at how often I hear Democrats reminding other Democrats if you don't win, none of it's, it's worth matter. anything. Nothing. Without power, there's nothing. There's only one moral imperative in this country right now, and that is to beat Donald Trump. That's the only moral imperative. It's the only thing I want to hear. And, and until we understand that, we win every argument. Brian, we win an argument on anything. We don't win elections because we talk about stuff that is not relevant. We had a great experience in 2018, and the day after, we started all this goofy stuff. So hopefully we got time to jerk this thing back and be about health care and prescription drug prices and education and infrastructure and, and climate and diplomacy and rejuvenating, whatever it is. But this is not happening so far. And we can't act like this is going well. We can't come out and put three wonderful talking points. We, we need to. Uh, these campaigns have got to be more relevant. For God's sake, Senator Warren, get, get on, get real out here, and, and you know, let's let's move this thing along. And we we got to do that. Joe and, Biden, Joe Biden, barely fit on the graphic we have next to you. Came so, out of there fourth place last night. What do you make of Joe Biden and his campaign? Uh, he has had an honorable life in politics. All right. This is just not the time. And, and so what's happened is he blocked out access from from my guy, Michael Bennett, from my, my dear friend, Governor Bullock, blocked out access from Senator Booker, 
probably some people that were going to run didn't run because he was in the race. And he's going to, it, it, maybe he'll come back, but he's going to have a difficult time. This, this, this is not a very good night for him, to say the least. Who should chair the Democratic the Party? I don't know. Ask Nancy Pelosi. That's my idea. <laughs> come on, come on, Speaker. We've got to get somebody in there. Now, I think it's this thing in Milwaukee is, is, got, is not off to a good start. I see all kinds of things that are very concerning there. And also, I'm just looking at the, at the mega polling averages. I'm looking at public opinion right now. And frankly, we've got to snap back and get this thing going. Or I don't even think about what would happen if we had four more years of Trump. But this is so far not so good. That's my that's my analysis. As I always say, you can't run a Whole Foods race. And what I insist is still a Campbell's Soup Nation. All right. So, right. Let me just run down. Lexus. Yeah. Yeah. Run down. Yeah. And he's probably lying about that, too. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Perez, not talking about relevant stuff. Uh, You got to beat Trump. He referred to it without saying it. Impeachment, yep. And then uh, I kind of look at Carvel's like being the car, the Carl Rove of the Democrat Party. Yeah. So I think he was right on, and that thing, and he that was pro- that was brutal, but it was a really true yep. assessment about Biden. Oh, I, I agree. Actually, that was probably the um, the the most impressionable thing he said in there is because I think everyone kind of looked at Biden as sort of. Uh, when he got in as the savior of of this race, mm-hmm. and that he could beat Trump, he's he a makes Jeb a very Bush good, for the Democrats. Yeah, but he makes a good point that he got in and it pushed others out, and it did. He's he's right, and I never really thought of it that way. But he took he took uh, uh, you know the audience and the votes away from candidates like Bullock, who I think you know should be a, a, a rising star was at one point, and same thing with some of these other candidates. Cory Booker, he made a lot of good points there. I will disagree with him on this, and I think this is the problem with Democrats. He said, you know, we got to beat Trump. That's all I want to hear. We got to beat Trump. I think Democrats are so blinded by the hatred they have for this president. TDS, buddy. Yeah. They are so blinded by their hatred for this president that it has blocked any sort of strategic Thinking. You know, mindset, thinking, they just don't have it. And, and mm-hmm. it's like, it's sort of like, you know, you're, you're saving up for, you want to you be a, a good steward of your, of your own personal budget, and you're looking to save up for this one thing. You know, if you save a couple of months, you can buy it. And then it's just sort of that impulse buy that you just, I'm just going to go ahead and do it, right? That's kind of what the Democrats have done with, with Trump. They were like, we just got to build our case. He makes the point. They did that in 2018. They could do it for two more years, but they jumped the gun and said, I need to go ahead and buy that now. And they've put themselves in a very precarious situation. I think Trump's looking really good. Uh, but, yeah, blinded by hatred. All right. J.R. Davis, thanks for coming in. We'll have you next Thursday. We'll be into early voting at that time, and we can talk about some of the races around the area. Looking forward to it. Let's do that. He's with the Gilmore Group. Don't forget about that. We'll take a break, and then we'll be back, and the NRA will join us. We're going to talk about guns. It's a minute till 7. Here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show, 39 Degrees, 101.1 FM, uh, the answer, the home of the Rush Limbaugh Show.
It's after 7, 39 degrees. Good morning to you here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, the answer home of the Rush Limbaugh Show. 39 degrees, going to be sunny today. Look for a high around 44 degrees. And then tomorrow, sunny and a high near 41 for your Valentine's Day. Tomorrow night, probably need to know that because you're taking your honey out to, you know, do something for Valentine's Day. Tomorrow night, clear low around 25 degrees and uh, an east wind around 5 to 10 miles uh, an hour but after midnight it will be calm saturday's looking sunny and a high near 55 so we're going to start warming up as the weekend comes so keep that in mind as well my thanks to jr davis for coming in and talking politics with me this uh, this morning Let's move over and talk about an issue now. Let's talk about 2A. Let's talk about the Second Amendment. Let's talk with Matt Harriman, who's with the NRA. He is the representative of our area. I think, what, Tennessee, Mississippi, Louisiana, and uh, Arkansas. Is that about right, Matt? All but Mississippi. All but Mississippi. Okay. so Don't, don't, don't add work to my load now. Okay. I'll, we'll, I'll move away from that then. So... So do us a favor. There's been there's been a lot of people saying that, uh, and I'll ask you a really tough question right out of the box: that the NRA is is suffering now. That uh, they don't have the the swag and they don't carry the big stick that they used to. Is that true, or is that just a narrative that is being perpetuated by the left? Yeah, Dave, I think that is absolutely a, a, a left narrative that, that they want folks to believe. I mean, uh, I, I don't I don't really uh, go back to headquarters much. I mean, me and my other fellow lobbyists who cover the state-level stuff are out working hard for our members and the people that, that uh, want us to fight for their Second Amendment rights. And so that's, that's what we're doing all across this country, um, uh, you know, protecting those rights in state capitals from – Maine to Hawaii. But but Wayne LaPierre has caused some problems. There's just no doubt about it. There, it there's, there's some problems there. Some people have left because of him. Uh, on the national level, I guess what you're saying is that they don't really bother you. But on the national level, are there some problems? I, I'm not really sure. I, I mean, I, I don't. Uh, I don't get into the the politics that goes on at at headquarters. I, Good for I, you. <laughs> I, I mean, I I, I I like to spend time in in the states that I that I cover with with you know the people who are are are, are frankly affording me the ability to uh, defend their rights in the state capitals and in in Arkansas and Tennessee and Louisiana and so. I like to to spend time with those people and and defend those rights in those legislatures, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. All right, well, let's talk about issues here in the state of Arkansas that people want to know where the NRA is at, and we can start off by uh, by starting with the Stand Your Ground legislation 
uh, that during the last session got defeated in committee by a Republican, John Cooper. And, uh, you know, we're we're wanting to get a stand-your-ground law here in the state of Arkansas. Uh, We've had a lot of people that have worked hard for that. Do you think that happens in 21? Do you think when we come back together in 21 that we'll be able to get that passed? Dave, I, I absolutely think that's something that we can we can accomplish uh, with with the help of guys like you and and great folks like Senator Bob Ballinger, and frankly, folks like uh, Representative Dan Sullivan, who we are supporting over Senator John Cooper in Senate District 21. I mean, those uh, Representative Sullivan's been somebody that has time and again stood up for Arkansans' Second Amendment rights and 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 key votes and issues that, that our organization has pushed. And so we know he is somebody that, that we and, and, and Second Amendment supporters there in Arkansas, particularly in District 21, uh, can trust in Little Rock. Okay, let's move on to the next one, because people say that they would never vote for it. However, they make me nervous with the way that they say that, and that's the uh, red flag laws. Uh, where is the NRA on red flag laws, first of all? And then are we seeing any kind of movement here in the state of Arkansas that could perhaps cause uh, representatives and senators to be swayed? I I have not been uh, privy to any of those things as far as uh, being pushed in Arkansas. I've not seen that yet. Uh, I mean, this is, I guess, somewhat of an off year legislatively. Yes. Uh, so there, there certainly could be things going on behind the scenes uh, of, of Democrats preparing to push those. I suspect they will. I mean, they're doing that all across the country. I mean, even in uh, Tennessee, where I actually call home, uh, we're, we've got a, a couple of red flag bills here. They won't, they're mostly dead on arrival. I would suspect and hope that that's the same same narrative there and in Arkansas we will certainly be fighting uh, to strongly oppose those pieces of legislation as we have across this country um, uh, we we are adamantly opposed to those they they do not work uh, there is no uh, due process in in almost all of these pieces of legislation I mean you could have a a high school girlfriend that that's still mad at you from 20 years ago that that reports that that you're crazy to law enforcement and then you're tied up in some you know long legal process it's just absurd okay so i can we can we can figure that you're going to be a, a strong supporter to stand your ground and a strong uh you know defender against the uh, red flag laws you want to keep those from getting any kind of toho uh, here in the state uh, of Arkansas, are, are you are you are you surprised here in the last? Because I am the last couple of years that it seems like the anti-gun people have been able to make inroads uh, with people. Does, does that concern you? I don't know that I'm too concerned with it in 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 places like Arkansas and, and Tennessee and even Louisiana, because we, we do have some really great supporters in these legislatures who just aren't buying uh, these narratives. And thankfully, uh, from the national level, we have a president who has been uh, staunchly supportive of our organization and the Second Amendment, and that, that helps uh, the narrative, and that helps our grassroots efforts, frankly, across the country. 
Um, and, and I think it's awakened people. I mean, if you just look at what's happened in Virginia, um, you know, it's, un, it's unfortunate that it took this type of uh, wake-up call to get people to come out of the woodworks to say, no, you are not going to um, uh, take away my Second Amendment rights. But, but, so, but let me just jump in, Matt. It's scary that even though they've woken up, for instance, they had that huge, huge rally uh, there in Virginia, but that didn't stop uh, the uh, Democrats from going in and, and making some draconian laws. Yeah, but don't you think that's what elections are for? I mean, I think, you know, hopefully this next cycle um, there will be an opportunity because I'm telling you, they are they are going far left there in Virginia. And mm-hmm. I mean, you could almost make an argument that they are just going to way overcorrect, way overreach. And you could have a situation, you know, when Obama, after he was in for two years, people were kind of fed up already and Republicans won the House and Senate back. Um, so that, I mean, you, you, there's an opportunity there. That's what elections are for. And if, if these people in Virginia overreach, then uh, I think I trust that Virginians will recognize that and and vote the people out. Okay. So when the NRA is in the midst of the battle, do you guys work with other organizations like, you know, Gun Owners of America and things of that nature to to make sure that our our, uh, gun rights are, are kept, you know, in place and we don't have to worry about the government trying uh, to strip them away instead of trying to protect them? Yeah, I mean, anytime we are able to join forces with other like-minded organizations, we absolutely are going to do that. I mean, I know across this country, there's there's uh, some organizations in in states where we're able to do that, and somewhere we're not. And uh, you know, we we have uh, some states have really strong shooting associations that we have great relationships with, and 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 you know, sit down in front of committees alongside. Uh, those those directors and presidents of those organizations to to have a joint effort in uh, defeating any gun control stuff and and advocating to expand our rights uh, under the Second Amendment. All right, seventeen minutes after seven thirty nine degrees. Matt, can you hold with me just for a few moments? We got to make a little bit of money here. I got to tell people what the traffic is like and things of that nature. You'll uh, we'll be back with you in, in about three or four minutes. It's the Dave Ellswick show, and we're good. You know, we're really happy that you've joined us this morning. Uh, looking for sunny skies all day today. Clear tonight, sunny tomorrow. So the next couple of days are going to be decent weather wise. We won't have to be carrying umbrellas and trying to stay warm in a wet environment we got more coming your way it's the dave ellswick show right here at 101.1 fm the answer the home of the rush limbaugh show all right let's continue on here on the dave ellswick show it's seven twenty and 39 degrees and again today going to be sunny skies across the area we're at 43 in both cabot and conway 41 in hot springs and 40 degrees in pine bluff our guest is matt harriman he is the uh, representative for the NRA for our area and for, ten, I guess, Tennessee and Louisiana. Is that correct, Matt? That's right. Yes, sir. Okay. Let's talk about District 21 quickly. And by the way, if you have a question for Matt, 823-0965. 
You can call that number, get in and ask him a question, 823-0965. If you're watching on Facebook, just type it in there in your comments, and uh, Zach's watching, and he'll let me know what people are wanting to know, and we'll ask uh, Matt those questions as, as well. But let's go to District 21, an interesting race to say the least. That's right. Yes, sir. So we have uh, done something which, you know, some have noted is, is unusual, and I guess I guess that is, and, and have endorsed Representative Dan Sullivan over uh, Senator John Cooper. And, uh, you know, I'd say, Dave, as you know, elections are about trust. Yeah. And, you know, voters, voters pick somebody that they believe is going to, you know, go to Little Rock or, or go, you know, to the governor's mansion or, you know, to Congress and, and protect and defend their rights and, and make their lives better. And, you know, John Cooper ran on protecting Second Amendment rights. And when he was presented with the opportunity to do that, he sided with the Democrats on that committee, and he was the, the vote that killed Stand Your Ground this past session. And so you know, our organization has decided to send a clear message to uh, the voters of Senate District 21 and, and to the voters of Arkansas to say, no, we are, we are going to stand with uh, Representative Dan Sullivan and, and send a clear message here. Yeah, because Dan has been a, a very big advocate uh, of gun rights, and uh, as you said, Cooper's changed. He changed on expansion of, of uh, you know, Medicaid here in the state. He ran against that, and then first vote that he voted it was to go ahead and expand Medicaid uh, here in the state. But what he did in that committee about stand your ground was really unconscionable. And lately, he said things like. He's the only one that understands that the stand your ground legislation would allow people to murder people. And I mean, he says crazy stuff like that and, and people don't challenge him. I don't get it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's just a flat out lie. I mean, this, this stand your ground legislation would have given Arkansans the ability uh, in situations where they are under imminent threat of, of serious uh, injury or death uh, to stand their ground. I mean, at, at present, <laughs> they have to run. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that's just absolutely absurd. So, so you know, Senator Cooper sided with the Democrats and the, the left-leaning Bloomberg lobby, Moms Demand Action, and he, he killed the legislation. And so if that is not a clear message to those who uh, support the Second Amendment where John Cooper stands, uh, I'm not sure what else is. Um, you know, this, this, this organization, Moms Demand Action, I mean, you can go to their Facebook page right now and uh, see a picture with, with he and his wife. Uh, after after this happened, thanking him for standing up to the gun lobby's dangerous agenda. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm I'm not really sure how giving people the right to defend themselves and their family and their loved ones is dangerous. Um, but he he apparently thinks so, along with uh, you know the the liberal lobby. Yeah, I, I I agree with that, but I don't like the way you know particularly the way Republicans, some Republicans uh, 
act around mom's demands action. I, I, you know, I'm nice to everybody when they come on my show. I'm respectful to them and and whatnot. But uh, mom's again uh, demands action wants to strip away a constitutional right that we all have, and they need to be called out about it. That's right. And, and you know, the, the politicians, right or left, that, that want to align with groups like this simply cannot be trusted. You know, he's also, you know, just Senator Cooper just cannot believe that, you know, we would jump ship after one vote. Well, this is more than about one vote. He has chosen to align with a group that is completely antithetical to everything that the NRA stands for, everything mm-hmm. that, that those who support the Second Amendment stand for. I mean, they they are taking away, working to take away our constitutional rights all across this country. So this this issue, the Second Amendment, it is not an issue that you can have one foot in and one foot out. It it is it is really an all or nothing uh, type of right that we have. So you either believe we we have the right or we don't, or you either protect it or you don't. And and so you know, him standing with uh, these left leaning groups, gun control groups, who who want to incrementally chip away, taking away our rights that we have. Um, he's chosen to stand with them over Arkansas gun owners and, and law-abiding citizens. All right, Matt, we're, we're out of time. I promise just to keep you for a half hour, and that's all I'll, I'll do. When you're in the area and want to come on and sit in the studio, you just let me know. We'll get you in here, and love it. and we can, we can get back together again and talk more about a very important right that we all have in the Second Amendment. Uh, but uh, if somebody wants to uh, help the NRA, where do they go? They can just go to nra.org. Or, um, we also have our, our legislative uh, action group, NRAILA, which stands for the Institute of Legislative Action.org. All right. We appreciate yes, you. Thanks you so have much a good for having one. me on. All right. We'll talk to you later. Matt Harriman from the NRA here on the Dave Ellswick uh, Show. We got uh, Rush coming up here in just about 90 seconds. So uh, we want to do that. Got some different things that uh, we'll be talking about when we come back. Uh, article that uh, just came out a few moments ago uh, that hit my mailbox. Let me bring it up here. And it uh, deals with uh, the, um, the the race down, the state race down in the Benton area. And McClure had been challenged by Furman about not having residency in the area. A judge has ruled on that now. I'll tell you how they found it to be here on the Dave Ellswick Show, as well as the foreman of the jury in the Roger Stone uh, case turns out to be a Democrat who ran for a a public office and uh, is very much uh, against uh, President Trump. So uh, some interesting things coming out about that. We're going to talk about that as well. Uh, here on the Dave Ellswick show as well. I'm looking here. I had some spots. Uh, talk about three girls now have uh, started a uh, a legal uh, move to keep boys who identify as girls uh, from being able to 
run track in Connecticut. Um, we'll talk about that. There's a lot. I've been, I've talked about this for quite some time now. And it's a, it's great that we have a lawsuit now that maybe, maybe some people will let some common sense prevail uh, in all of this. So I'll bring you up to date on that as well. And I've got some guests coming in in the last hour of the show today from Harding University that I don't think you're going to want to miss. But right now, let's get ready to go see uh, what Rush has for us here at the bottom of the hour. It's uh, about 730, 39 degrees right now. Sunny today with a high near 44 degrees. I'm Dave Ellswick, 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, back. Dave Ellswick's show. We're looking at 735. By the way, Reggie, if you're listening, I know you are, give us a ring here at the station at 501-823-0965. At, uh, of course, 501-823-0965. Yeah, yeah. And uh, hopefully get a chance to get Reggie on here, let him talk a little bit about this judge's order uh, in the uh, race down in Benton, uh, around Benton, down in uh, Sling County. And, and about uh, McClure having residency, uh, I want to get into talking about that just uh, a tad here uh, on the Dave Ellswick show. Uh, another story going on uh, about all of this is uh, the things that are happening uh, dealing with uh, Roger Stone. Here's the, the latest story I got. I just pulled up Fox for you. Former Memphis City Schools board president, Tamika Hart revealed uh, yesterday uh, that she was the foreperson of the jury that convicted former Trump advisor Roger Stone on obstruction charges last year. And soon afterward, her history of democratic activism and a string of her anti-Trump left-wing social media posts came to life. Hart posted specifically about the Stone case before she voted to convict as she retweeted an argument mocking those who considered Stone's dramatic arrest in a pre-dawn raid uh, by a federal tactical team to be excessive force. She also suggested President Trump and his supporters are racist and praised the investigation conducted by special counsel Robert Mueller, which ultimately led to Stone's uh, prosecution. Meanwhile, it emerged that U.S. District Judge Amy Berman Jackson had denied a defense request to strike a potential juror who was Obama-era press official with admitted anti-Trump views and whose husband worked at the same Justice Department division that handled the probe leading to Stone's arrest. And another Stone juror, uh, Seth Cousins, donated to former Democratic presidential candidate Beto O'Rourke and other progressive causes, uh, federal election records reviewed by Fox News. The revelations came as Trump has called the handling of Stone's prosecution ridiculous and a demonstratively unfair insult to our country. Uh, They raised the prospect that Stone's team could again seek a new trial, especially if Hart provided inaccurate responses under oath on her pretrial questionnaires concerning her social media activity. The uh, drama began when Hart confirmed to CNN 
and other media organizations that she had written a Facebook post supporting the Justice Department uh, prosecutors in the Stone case who abruptly stepped down from their post Tuesday saying she, quote, can't keep quiet any longer, unquote. The prosecutors apparently objected after senior DOJ officials overruled uh, their recommendation to Jackson that uh, Stone face up to nine years in prison. Uh, Quote, I want to stand up for Aaron Zielinski, Adam Jed, Michael Mirando, and Jonathan Kravis. The prosecutors on the Roger Stone trial, Hart wrote in the post, it pains me to see the DOG now interfere with the hard work of the prosecutors. They acted with the utmost intelligence, integrity, and respect for our system of justice. She added, as four-person of the jury, I made sure we went through every element of every charge matching the evidence presented in the case that led us to return a conviction and guilty on all seven counts. Now, an independent journalist, Mike Cernovich, not CNN, then first reported that a slew of Hart's other publicly available Twitter and Facebook posts readily suggested a strong political bias. Some of Hart's posts were written as Stone's trial was even in progress. Hart, who unsuccessfully ran for Congress as a Democrat in 2012, quoted someone in an August 2017 tweet referring to Trump as a member of the KKK. In January of 19, she retweeted a post by pundit Bakari Sellers, who noted that, quote, Roger Stone has y'all talking about reviewing use of force guidelines, unquote, before suggesting that racism was the reason for all the attention Stone's arrest had received from conservatives. In August of 19, Hart called all Trump supporters racist. Gotta love it, Hart wrote on January 13th of 2018 in response to a news report that uh, uh, a vulgarity had been projected onto the Trump International Hotel in Washington, D.C. So she's got a long-standing a problem here and uh, was on the jury as the foreman. So uh, we're going to have to see how the judge rules on this. The judge has made some initial statements uh, that, that this wouldn't disqualify uh, the verdict uh, against Roger Stone, nor open up a retrial. We'll have to see if that's the case or not. 741, 39 degrees. Let's go ahead and get a break in right now. Sunny skies for the rest of the day. Look for uh, clear skies tonight and then tomorrow, sunny skies. High tomorrow near 41. High today, 44 degrees. Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. And it's the home, of course, of the Rush Limbaugh Show. Uh, In the next half hour, we'll talk to Kerry Murphy, who's going to stop by. He's the man who runs most of the gun shows here in the area. He's got one coming up. We'll have him on with us, give you all the information, the ins and outs that you need to know about. It's uh, 14 minutes until 8 o'clock, 39 degrees, and the sunny sky is being called for today here on uh, 101.1 FM, The Answer. Again, home of the Rush Limbaugh Show. Story from the Daily Signal uh, today. Chelsea Mitchell ranked as the fastest girl in the 55-meter dash in Connecticut High School track, showed up for a competition last year she knew was going to be a challenge. 
Her competitors included two biological males who said that they identify as girls. Mitchell, a senior at Canton High School, has seen the speeds posted by the two, and she was aware that other girls had lost to athletes born as boys who identify as girls. But at the time, she says she, quote, could feel the adrenaline in my blood, unquote. That adrenaline wasn't enough, though. Mitchell came in third behind the two boys. Uh, Ultimately, because of Connecticut's high school athletics policy on transgender competitors, she lost four girls' state championships and two all-New England awards to biological males who said that they felt like a girl. Quote, it was definitely frustrating and disheartening to be right there running for the biggest honors in the state and to work so hard and try so hard to be the best in the state, Mitchell uh, said uh, in an interview. Mitchell and two other girls from different Connecticut high schools now, and that's Alana Smith and Selena Soule, are suing the Connecticut Interscholastic Athletic Conference over the policy that allows biological males to compete as girls with biological or as girls with biological females in high school sports. Smith is a sophomore at Danbury High School. Soul is a senior at Glastonbury High School, and their story has been chronicled on the Daily Signal dot com since May. So if you want to see their story, you can watch it. They got a really great video on this. The two biological males, Terry Miller of Bloomfield High School, who won the 55-meter dash, and Andrea Yearwood of Cromwell High School, who came in second, are the two uh, biological males identifying as girls. This drives me crazy that I got to sit here and say, and, and, and even talk about this, to be honest, that people that are in power over high school athletics would allow these boys to run against girls. It's crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. And and if you're transgender whatever, I'm I'm not going to say I'm sorry. I'm I've got a a hoodie I wear here and it says facts negate your feelings. And you may feel that you're a an orangutan for all I know. But you're not. You're a guy. All right? You're not a girl. You don't get to run against, or you shouldn't get to run against a girl. Here, I say, here's how you take care of this. If you're a transgender, you're a boy, you feel like a girl. You're a girl, you feel like a boy. Then how about we let you guys run against each other? We'll just set up a, a another category of competition. You'll have boys, you'll have girls, you'll have transgender. That's. I don't hear many girls who say they're, that they're boys wanting to get out and uh, play football, all right? I really don't. Uh, but, you know, guys that say they identify as girls want to go out and scarf up all of, you know, weightlifting trophies and uh, trophies for track and field and all the rest against uh, female competitors. You guys should be ashamed of yourself, all right? You should be ashamed of yourself. You know you're a guy. You know you're... Your DNA says you're a guy. 
I can't believe, you know, do you really put all these trophies up in your household and you're proud of them? Hey, I went out. I couldn't compete on the boys team because most of these guys, like these two guys here that have been mentioned in this story, uh, have been on the boys track teams and couldn't break the top on their track teams. They couldn't win. So suddenly, I feel like a girl. And they go out and they go against the girls and they're beating them into the dirt. And they're taking all the the uh, the medals and, uh, and the trophies and stuff. And, and this has got a, another horrible side effect. How about the uh, colleges that are looking for female athletes? And you could have had, because you had the best time for a girl in the state, in, in like the, the, the dash or whatever uh, that this uh, Chelsea had. And uh, now you don't get offered a, a, a top flight uh, athletic scholarship because you can't put that you're the state champion. Yes, the, the women say it makes them work harder, but most of the time we know that we're not going to even get in or get close to the top spot. There was a thing in here that seems like to me it was the Connecticut Athletic Association. Uh, yeah, here, here it is. Let me read this to you. The Connecticut Association of Schools, Connecticut Interscholastic Athletic Con- Conference, which governs high school sports in the state, has argued that the transgender policy is based on federal and state anti-discrimination laws. Quote, this is about someone's right to compete. Exec- no, it's not. No, it's not, says the executive director, Glenn Lugarini. Uh, he, this is what he said last year. Quote, I don't think this is that different from other classes of people who in the not-too-distant past were, were not allowed to compete. Are we talking, you know, black athletes? Is that, is that what he's trying to compare this to? You know, a black athlete is black, all right? Uh, he doesn't just identify as black. He is black, or she is black. This is ridiculous. I think it's going to take education and understanding to get to the point on this issue. Here's my understanding. We need to, if, if they're going to push this, we need to have boy sports, girl sports, transgender sports, and let the boys that think they're girls run against each other and let the girls who think they're boys compete against themselves and, and do it that way. And, and, you just can't be a boy and be and then get out and and, and uh, compete against girls. It's crazy. It's absolutely ludicrous. As I always said, if LeBron James were to wake up one day and said, "You know what? I'm a female. I feel like a girl today. I'm going to go play for the WNBA." Exactly. It's just not right. No, it's not. It's not right. I. You know, it's it's amazing to me. If you ask the majority of Americans, because there's enough that, I don't know, they did drugs in their past or whatever, they think this is okay. But the bottom line is, the average American is going to say, what? I mean, how would you feel if it was your daughter who gets up early every morning, goes to the track, and works her butt off, got the best time of girls in the state, and then shows up for the state track meet, and there's two dudes on the line against her, and they smoke her. 
And so the best she can do is finish third. And perhaps if you're somebody else that's got the second best time, third best time, best you can do is fourth and fifth. Also rans, total also rans. Tell you what, as a father, I would not stand for it. I'd be raising so much Hades about that, it would be crazy. Absolutely nuts. I don't, I just, I don't get this, folks. I do not get this. We're letting the, asi- the, the inmates run the asylum on this, on this stuff. And to listen to this guy, who's the head of the, uh, you know, their athletic association, who makes a really stupid remark like, I don't think this is that different from other classes of people who, in the not-too-distant past, were not allowed to compete. You know, you say that, and then I got to think you're doubly stupid. I mean, seriously, you're doubly dumb. You double down on dumbness. It's amazing to me. I have tried to get the Athletic Association for Arkansas on my show to talk about this, and they refuse. They usually don't even return my calls. They don't. They don't want to get into this. I got. I, I've not heard from any uh, athletic directors here in the state or anything. I'm sure a lot of them know what the what the uh, Athletic Association of Arkansas is saying about this. I would like to know. I think we need full transparency on this. If some guy suddenly identifies as a girl and shows up at the track and field, are they going to allow him to run against girls? Is that going to is that what's going to happen? Is it going to have to take that? And then it's going to take the local news uh, paper and and the local uh, sports talk shows and the local news shows on television to uh, start, uh, you know, and, and the way that the, the TV stations do it, they're not going to say uh, it's wrong. I'm going to tell you right now, that's not going to happen. I bet you they'll bend it to, to make you feel sympathy for the trans student. That would just be my take on what the media narrative normally is. Uh, they're not going to say, well, science says this, you know, so that somebody can say, well, yeah, it does. It does say that a boy is a boy and a girl is a girl. But, you know, if you think that you are, then you are. And I always ask, if your best friend came to you, whether you're a woman or a guy and and your best guy friend came up and said that he identified as a gorilla, would you start, you know, buying him bananas, you know, so he could have something to eat? Or would you try to help him because you know there's something mentally wrong there? And if you would help them, why aren't we helping, you know, guys that are saying that they feel like girls or girls who say they feel like guys? Instead of just embracing it as though it's something that's normal. Because it's not. My email is dave at salemlr.com if you want to email me. Full transparency here. I think it's the most ridiculous stuff I've ever heard of. All right. It's a minute until uh, 8 o'clock. It's 39 degrees. going to be sunny today. Going to be a pretty day for you. Enjoy it. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer.
Uh, Thursday morning. I can't tell you. You know, you, you, you try to get a lot of good guests on in the morning. I got one of the best this half hour. Carrie Murphy's here. I hey, love Carrie. Carrie does morning. a great job, man. He's uh, he's the man who brings all the gun shows basically to our area. I, I think there's some other people that run gun shows, but nothing the caliber of Carrie's. And she he's got one coming up this Saturday and Sunday. I want to talk to him about that and. Uh, Anything new in this one that we don't know about that we've seen in the past? Uh, there's some other new individuals coming. They're selling collections and stuff. Oh, that's and, always uh, good. So you're going to have some individuals there that people hadn't seen before um, with uh, several tables of guns each just trying to just move some out. Some are older. I mean, what happens, what you find is a lot of the uh, – you get older, you used to hunt and do a lot of stuff, collect the guns. You find out your grandkids, cause, you know, because they've been indoctrinated from – kindergarten they can't chew a pop tart in the shape of a gun so Mm -hmm. they start and they don't hunt or something and they uh anyway they just don't they're not into the collection as much they may hunt but they're not and so then they find that they start selling it off so they can uh, raise money to do some other things they want to do okay so this is an arkansas gun and cartridge collectors club show that you're running typically uh, correct me if i'm wrong here typically these are the shows where people actually bring out different displays of guns used like during world war ii and the civil war and things of that nature right yep they got uh they have different displays that we have some of the collectors they have uh they have a lot of military stuff in there uh civil war and all uh the one gentleman who has uh added to his collection of world war ii machine guns now has the deuce and all fully active and all i mean both sides he's got everything now well he's sick with the flu this week oh yeah so uh he's day to day he's going to call me tomorrow but i'm not you know he sounded really bad yesterday so um his display may not nasty buddy his dis- display may not be there but there's uh you know there are a lot of other folks that's going to have uh antique stuff i've got a guy coming bringing samurai swords and antique swords and military yep made he out had, of damascus had, steel I, I don't know what he's made i don't know what it's made out of but he said his are antiques the real thing and he's bringing two tail. He's new. That's going to be there. So wow. there's there's always uh, this show always has that antique collector. It's got that little bit of snap to it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's different than the others uh, with the displays and the antiques. Okay, but it's uh, this weekend at the state fairgrounds, the Hall of Industry. That's right. Uh, it's Saturday nine to five and Sunday nine to four. So uh, man, come on out. It's uh, family friendly we'll have i mean tons of stuff for the kids to look at pick out a pocket knife with your son uh, you know concealed carry purses for the ladies all kinds of uh tasers other stuff to pick from so it's just going to be a big variety of, of things and it'll be a lot of fun to come out and spend some hours you're filling up the whole hall of industry for this one oh uh, yeah the uh main room's filled up and we've got them still constantly calling me every day for the the cool. smallest so we're we're going to be about 385 tables already. So wow, that's it's nice. big. It's the oldest and largest one in the state, and then the club goes to help youth shooting sports and and the NRA. You know, puts money toward 
uh, legal, you know, to protect our rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just, you can't, you know, it, it's happening left and right. If you don't protect them, they're going to be gone. Just look at Virginia, Utah. Who would think Utah would have that kind of issue they got it's going crazy. on? This red flag laws and all this other stuff. You've got to really, that's why it's important on who you elect to office. And, yeah, we and, were just talking about that uh, earlier this morning with Matt Harriman of the NRA, who's our our uh, state representative. He's uh, takes care of Arkansas, Tennessee, and Louisiana. And it was interesting talking to him. And uh, we were talking about District 21 between John Cooper and uh, Dan Sullivan and what was going on up there. That was an easy one for me. Well, Dan Sullivan all the way. I mean, it should be. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, Cooper... Uh, has no problem having problems with the truth. That's just that, that's the nicest way for me to put it. I mean, he has actually said he is the only person that has identified in that stand your ground legislation that Ballinger had put together that he put the kibosh on when he voted against it back in the last General Assembly in, in the uh, uh, Judiciary, Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, who said there was a there's a loophole that it would allow you to commit murder and not be held liable there's no way i'm not i'm not making that up he has i i've got we, um, we have the audio you can hear him saying sometimes the only way people can get you to i mean oh they lie that's just fact of life there's politicians that lie and he's doing the he's doing the joseph Goebbels thing if you're going to tell a lie tell one that's big enough <laughs> And brash enough that <laughs> people will believe it, I guess, and tell it enough that everybody says, "Oh, okay, must be true." Yeah, I, well, I, yeah, you got to, you've got to do your research and find out, you know, who's who. I mean, you know, and there's people that'll they'll say or they'll take a picture and put it on the card that, "Oh, I'm a hunter." Oh, I was at the range. Well, that doesn't mean you just. I mean, yeah, I'm glad you're hunting. I'm glad you're taking your family. That don't mean but you're that a two-way mean, adherent. Yeah, that doesn't mean that you're a Second Amendment supporter, or, nope. or you don't support a red flag law, or, yeah. or something like that. I mean, that and, and how do you know that's not just to get elected? You know, I agree. Uh, you, you, you know, I and, and you brought up this morning on one of your uh, deals. I, I ran for state rep. In I District 28. Yeah. I lost by a couple hundred votes to, uh, you know, he was a real popular guy in town and nice, but he wasn't conservative, and now he's decided he's not in anymore. Right. And uh, he's out, and um, then now there's a – and I moved. Well, you know, the ones that are in there now, it's uh, uh, two people in the race, Marietta mm-hmm. McClure and Tony Furman, and, um, and I've worked out at, uh, you know, her gym. I mean, you know, we're friends. My whole family's worked out there for a long time. She's a nice lady, business lady, but just because you're a nice person doesn't mean that you support the same policies that I do. And if in when you know one flag comes up, you work for when you work for uh, Mark Pryor. Well, mm-hmm. that's a, a question mark. Okay, well, I changed my mind. I'm I'm Republican. Okay, well then when you do attack ads, I've been in the Republican Party a long time. And I've never, you know, I'm not in an attack unless I'm strong Republican, you know. Right. I haven't, I haven't done an attack. I mean, not that I would, but I, so that that was another, that was a big question mark. But everybody knows where she lived at. I mean, she moved into the back end of the district, or I bought a house and bought there so that she could be in there to get her to be on the ballot. Well, I moved. I, I've got $10,000 worth of signs sitting in a unit right now that say that district. I could have went and rented an apartment in that district. 
left my wife and daughter up on the on the mountain at the house mm-hmm. and said, you know what, I'm I'm living here in Benton. I've got my electric bill and I'm living at the apartment, knowing that my family's still somewhere else, and and then you know run a race. And but that wouldn't have been right. That's not the right thing to do. I wasn't living there. That's not where. Anyway, I just. And and I talked to uh, Tony and stuff, and I, he's very conservative. So I threw my support behind Tony because I I believe in him, and the I know he's not going to be supporting anything crazy, and she may not either. But when you have all them question marks against you, uh, and the way you honest manipulated just, some things, yeah, I could have done the same thing. I could have jumped right in the race, but I that's not the right thing to do. Yeah, because we talked about this. Yeah, you know you. Everybody was calling me. Come get in. Why aren't yeah. you in? Why aren't, why you, aren't in? you in it? Why aren't you in it? Because I moved. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you moved out. But that's why you've got to research and find out who your candidate is. Pick your choice. And there, there could be two nice candidates, two people that you really like. But they're going to have different policy decisions. And if one can't even fill out an NRA uh, questionnaire, that throws another red flag to me. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's why. Because why wouldn't you fill that out? Right. That's why, you know, and NRA is big to me because, you know, I do 18 shows a year, uh, Louisiana, Texas, Arkansas, Mm -hmm. and uh, and the Second Amendment. And just because of Virginia and Utah, we're going to be giving away AR-15 this weekend. All right. So uh, (laughs) stick it in your eye. Um, But, yeah, come on out. You register when you come in. It's $10 to get in. Age 12 and under is free. Military and police get a $2 discount. And you get a prize form. And then we put it in a hopper. And we'll do a drawing on uh, Sunday. You don't have to be present to win. And you can win an AR-15. That's the way to do it. We'll be back. We'll talk further with Carrie when we return. We've got to get your uh, weather and to your traffic here on the Dave Ellswick Show. It's 17 after 8, 39 degrees. If you had to be at work at 8 o'clock and you're not there yet, you're late. I'm sorry. 101.1 FM, the answer, home of Rush Limbaugh. 20 minutes after 8 and 39 degrees. It's kind of chilly out there. That wind blowing at about 10 miles an hour. It's pretty breezy. You get here by our building, it's more than just breezy. It's windy outside, and uh, it'll cut into you a little bit, doesn't it, Gary? Oh, yeah. I'm out there putting up signs all the time for the gun show, and I've been mainly it's been raining on me. I, I mean, uh-huh. for four days straight, I wore muck boots and a rain jacket. But, uh, yeah, when it gets 33 out there and the wind's blowing, and then it gets a little bit rainy or snow, about to be snow. It gets deep down into your bones, doesn't it? It really, really does. I I hate when it gets like that. All right, so we've been talking about the Arkansas Gun and Cartridge Collectors Club gun show uh, that's coming up this weekend, February 15th and 16th, out at the state uh, fairgrounds. They're going to be in the Hall of Industry free parking. Yes, Okay. Looking at about 400 tables right now. It's NRA affiliated. It starts at 9 o'clock in the morning on Saturday, goes to 5 p.m., and then on Sunday, 9 to 4 p.m., I'll let you give them the rest of the information. Yeah, it's uh, on $10 admission. That's good for both days. So you get stamped, get back in. Age 12 and under is free. You get $2 discount for military, active duty, retired, or police. So... Uh, you know, come on out. It's family fun. You'll have a, you know, best thing I like seeing is when the, the 
Dad's walking around with the sons, getting his first pocket knife and looking. I mean, look at that, Dad. Look at that. And it's just, and it's a good bonding moment. Yeah. And, uh, and there's daughters that come too. You know, they hunt too. So when Mama she comes, and there's things for ladies that you know, if you go with your husband, and there's not, you know, you know, some ladies don't. They can get their gun. They're done. They let, the, but their husband wants to keep looking. Yeah. There, there's a, a few things out there. Whether it's a table or two, a jewelry or a table or two, a cincy or. There's stuff like that too that the ladies can look at and get, but it's majority of our show is just guns and knives and military and displays. All right, so if somebody is wanting to get into collector, uh, you know, when you go out and start looking at used cars, there's a blue book. All right, gives you a range of what something might be worth. Is there something like that for guns? Yep, guns, ammo, really big thick book shows you all the values of guns and rates you know how much it is you just look through that book and it'll show you the descriptions like sometimes you have a a, a rifle and you think well it's pre-64 winchester well you have to turn it over there's a certain screw in there on the bottom and if you see that screw then it makes it worth more or something it's just i don't know all the ins and outs but i i'm always surprised i mean there's we've got dealers there that are so knowledgeable on that stuff that you know that you bring you people bring in their stuff just to have them appraise it you know so hey what's this worth they don't know what it is and um you know whether it's a, a colt or you know there's always something somebody brings in every show that is you think they think it's worth four or five hundred and they walk out there knowing it's worth three or four thousand yeah that's interesting it's, it's kind of like that guy it's been on facebook the last month uh that went out and bought himself a rolex back in 1972 when he was in uh the army for, uh, I think he said three hundred dollars at yep, the time. I saw that. Did show. you see it? Had, yeah. o- had oyster on the yeah, back of it. The guy, yeah, oyster it's worth, one. It's looks worth like James like, Dean. It's model. worth about one point seven million dollars. Yeah, he yeah he about he passed out. He had the paperwork box and everything. Yeah, with it. he had everything. He'd only worn it twice since seventy three. That's what's incredible <clears throat> yeah. about it. So everything looked absolutely brand new on it. Oh yeah, it was. Yeah, I saw that episode. That was that was pretty cool. You just never know. But with the firearms, uh, if you want to buy, sell, or trade, you just bring it to the door, mm-hmm. uh, unloaded. Uh, and if you yeah. forget, we we unload always it. check it and we'll uh, unload it for you and we zip tie it. And you just walk around the show and people make offers for you and you just wheel and deal till you find the best deal. You can either trade it for something else or people in there they'll buy it from you. And uh, we have new guns, used guns. There's all types, all all price ranges. And uh, you come in there if you're not like undecided. Like uh, a lady the other day, she uh, said, "Well, I really don't know. I want a revolver, but I, how it fits in my hand." Well, if you come there, there's all these guns laid out. You can pick them up, put them in your hand, see how it feels in your palm. You know, does it fit right? See how it loads. You get a lot of you. You find out the choices. You can narrow down to what you really like, and then you start shopping price. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a it's a a really good place to, um, you know, spend some time with the family, coming around, seeing, teaching your kids some stuff about it, and then it's all safe environment. And we have officers there. Um, you know, you come in, you pay, we zip time. The guns are unloaded. Uh, when you go out, you go through a metal detector out the back door. Everybody's, you know, it's all good. We have officers and security on detail 24 hours. Okay, so I need to ask this question. Women have become one of the biggest uh, uh, buyers of firearms 
in recent time. When it started, I remember Smith and Wesson had kind of a baby 38 that they had, and it had, you know, uh, pink grips and things of that nature. Are women still going for that stuff, or are they going just for just traditional firearms? You know, I, it's uh, funny. You see all the ones that are pink and purple and all these that they're yeah. trying to placate, but the women that I know, no, they want a black one. They want one that's going to scare. They don't want you to think when they pull it out that it's some kind of toy. So they're going for the the black stainless steel. They right. want a mean looking one. <laughs> that makes they, sense they, to me. They were there's several that I know. Even my wife, she does not. She don't want a colored one. She wants one that's going. When she pulls it out, it's going to work. And yeah, easy to the load. person that you're going to be aiming at knows you mean yeah. business. Now a lot of do like the uh, you know ones with the lasers, and uh, I like that part too because if they're going to point it. Maybe they might have second thoughts without, you know, some kind of military-type training. You know, right. if they, they're scared, they point it, but they they're, they don't, some don't want to pull the trigger, you know. But yeah. with that laser on your chest or pointed at somebody, they're going to turn around because they know there's a bullet where that dot's going. Going right there. Yeah. That's exactly, and, uh, exactly and right. And it's deterrent. But, uh, look, it's if you pull it out, you're probably going to have to pull it. Well, it, you shouldn't be pulling it out unless you're ready to pull it. That's yeah. for sure. And uh, I've, I've, I preach that to my wife all the time, and uh, I bought her a, uh, what was it, a 380, and then she's got uh, on the on the grip, all she's got to do is grab it, and the laser comes on immediately. Yeah, that's right, when you grab it. And, uh, and she really likes that. Well, and then, you know, they've got derringers you can put in your pocket or purse, but there's a new one out that uh, uh, the other day, uh, a Hellcat. And it's a slim nine millimeter, and it's got uh, it'll hold nine. I think it's nine, and wow. black, and it fits in your hand, and you can put it in your pocket. It's a good concealed carry or in your purse. I mean, it is it is really lightweight. It's nice. All right, let's give everybody that this is going to be this weekend again, Saturday and Sunday, both days. Uh, we're going to open up at nine o'clock. Go to 5 o'clock on Saturday, 4 o'clock on Sunday. It's at the uh, state grounds, uh, state fairgrounds, and it's in the Hall of Industry. Free parking, going to be 400 tables, lots of displays for you to look at, lots of guns that probably people would be interested in trading. Uh, $10 admission, age 12 and under are free. $2 discount for military, active, or retired, and police. And uh, your ticket is good for both days. Carrie, you always do a great job. I would expect that this would be the same thing. Oh, yeah. Come on out. Mac Wynn and AR-15. We give away other door prizes, too. Yeah, we're giving. I'm, I'm Not we're. He's giving away an AR-15. And, uh, you know, and we're. Uh, it's kind of a way of saluting the stupidity of uh, Virginia. Oh, yeah. It was in Connecticut, though, that they tried to make AR-15s illegal, wasn't it? And then all the people were lining up along the road to the governor's mansion and Holding their well, AR-15. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, that's why we've gotten some uh, recently to Arkansas. We've had some gun manufacturers move down here. Yeah, I know. So the more we get, the, the I mean, that's just more jobs. I agree with you. I agree. We we got them in Jacksonville. We got them everywhere now. I, I made the statement that they should be offering to them as soon as they were running into problems. I appreciate you coming in. Thanks so much. Let's get to uh, your uh uh, Sean Hannity update that's coming up right now here on the Dave Ellswick Show at 8.30.
Got Harding University in here to the Dave Ellswick Show for our last segment. Love having Harding come in. Uh, I think it's one of the uh, kind of best-kept secrets outside of Har- of uh, Arkansas for Harding University. It's one of the most outstanding universities in the United States. They rank up there with all the other ones, all the Ivy League schools and stuff. It would be better if they went to Harding. They'd come out with a, a lot clearer vision of what, this country needs. But Andrew Baker is joining us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And Andrew, welcome to the show. And let's talk about what Harding does with the community. Well, thanks uh, for the chance to be here. So Harding, uh, as you've said, we've been in Cersei a long time. Uh, How but, many years? Uh, well, Harding started in 1924. In yeah, so it's been around. Been around a while and then made the move to Cersei. Uh, and we've been there but in the last couple of years just asking some questions uh what does it look like in the context that we are to be a better neighbor okay. it's not a secret to anybody harding is a faith-based institution and mm-hmm. because of what we believe then there's a pretty high expectation it's pretty clear from the life of jesus the expectation of your neighbor hands right? and feet right at every time okay. and so what does that look like what form can that take as an institution, not just, you know, a lot of times people talk about what Harding does and they refer to our students. And I believe we have some of the greatest students on the planet, no doubt. But what does it look like when the whole institution leads into those issues around us? And uh, there's a lot of work written by a whole lot of different people, um, different places. Uh, Michael Lindsay at Gordon College outside of Boston, Massachusetts, writes about the significance and influence of an institution. And that institutions, when they collaborate together for greater good, it's amazing what can be done. And so for the last couple of years, we've just been asking those questions. What what could we do? What could that look like? Uh, many know the Governor Hutchinson's Restore Hope initiative. Uh, we stepped into that spot and said, hey, we want to help. And that That's became good. first chance and second chance. What we do with those kids who are in foster care and how can we really look at that and see more kids go home to their parents? Um but also see more kids find uh, stability and find it quicker. Uh, and then this question about what we do for those who are released, you know, uh, we don't want to see people go back to jail. Nope. And can we resource them? Can we use the education? I tell folks there's a Harding grad uh, who's actually in Memphis, and he got to Memphis working with a church there, and that church had a GED program. And he was assigned to be responsible for the GED program He's like, I'm, this, I'm not, I'm not, this isn't me. I'm a preacher. And they said, no, we just need you to be the guy to make sure people show up. Uh, okay. And after about a month there, he's like, why are a bunch of people failing? Dropping out. What's up? And uh, so he went and he asked, he said to uh, the administrator of the church, like, do we know our success rate? And they said, yeah, it's 27%. Not real good. And a lot of people don't realize in the GED world, you got to take a test to get into the program. That's so that's right. people who took the test to get in the program and then, you know, but the answer he was given is, well, we're 5% better than the state program down the street. Okay. His answer was, we're both that's failing. good enough. Yeah, yeah, right. So he went back and he started asking some questions, which is one of the things we're trying to say at Harding. How can we listen better to our community around us? And listening, you're going to learn something every time. You might not always like what you learn, but you're going to learn something. And then again, because of what we believe then in learning, we're going to love. We're called to an action. We can't just say, oh, yeah, well, that's bad. Mm-hmm. right? No, can we help? And going back to the story in Memphis, so here he is. He starts asking some questions. He starts listening, and he says, do we know when people fail? When do they drop out? What's well, week four. Went to the state program. When are your people dropping out? Week four. Well, what's week four? It's decimals and fractions. Nobody's scared of this. Uh, and fractions. Okay. So he went back to his church and he said, okay, I'm going to ask you not to be mentors for the 12-week GED program. I'm going to ask you to be mentors for one week 
if you like decimals and fractions. If sixth grade math is cool with you, I wouldn't say yes, just for the record. I'm, I'm not signing up. I, I got you. But there are those people, man. That's second nature, right? And he said, I would like to ask you for 30 minutes on Monday, 30 minutes on Tuesday, 30 minutes on Wednesday of math week. Thursday, they had a luncheon. Rah, 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 kick him in the knee. We're going to more or less give you the test so you know what's coming. And Friday, Correct. they would take the test. Group number one, 100% graduation rate. Wow. Group number two, 100% graduation rate. That's Group number incredible. three, 93% graduation rate. You know, he was told in that beginning by people, it's just the clientele of people. They just mm. don't want to succeed. Yeah. N- no. Have we put the things in place so that success might be possible? Well, we came and learned that we had a pretty bad rate in White County, Arkansas, frankly. And we started asking questions. When are people driving out? Week four. Oh, so math. D- 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 yeah, the whole math thing is... Math is not a human nature type of course. Uh, uh, correct. It just isn't. Correct. I, that, that's the, that's what I struggle with all the way through my, you know, uh, career. You know, whether it was in grade school, junior high, high school, or you know, you know, post high school stuff. I mean, math challenged me, and I took high grade math. I took calc and some other things. But I'm just telling you, it was rough. Every, it's where I spent all my time studying. Well, and you look at our campus. We got a campus full of people that love math. They're in the building next door to me. It's not me. I'm not signing up to do the math, <laughs> right? But they're they're next door. And to say to them, hey, can I introduce you to a mom who's trying to get her GED, who's killing it, working as hard as she can? I and mean, guess what's the holdup? Math. Mm-hmm. You know, and she's and we walked with a specific mom, you know, through that, and to watch a college student who engaged with that mom, did the tutoring. Man, we had the celebration of celebration when she passed the math section. I bet. And, and now she thinks she can do a whole lot else, and I think she can, and I think we're going to see her um, take the ne- next steps educationally because she's more than able, but she was living educationally, what I refer to as a resource desert. You know, we like to say you got to teach a man to fish, and I always kind of chuckle. That's great. That is a beautiful idea if they have the resources to fish. Yeah. But when you live yeah. in a resource desert, we just wasted both of our times. Um, so trying as an institution at Harding to say, how can we resource with the re- – we, we have a lot of resources, and we have a lot of really great resources, and I would say the greatest resource we have is our people, um, from our students to our faculty to our staff. And what does it look like when an institution, as Michael Lindsay says, what does it look like when the biggest institution actually leans in and cares? Gotcha. And – we got a ways to go, but uh, I think there's exciting times in front of us uh, in trying to just help and be a better neighbor in our community. Okay, so uh, this whole GED thing, what are some other things that you've learned uh, from the community, from listening, where the community needs your assistance? Well, we have 413 nonprofits in White County, Arkansas. It's a lot. That's a lot. And that's a lot who need help. Um, usually you find nonprofits and they're very passionate about the lane that they're in. Many of them struggled to communicate that passion. Mm-hmm. Many of them struggled to let people see that there's a place that they can come help serve them, right? And so looking again at Harding and looking at the way in which we could help those nonprofits not do their job for them, but say, you know, we have a really big uh, opportunity here in front of us. 
what would it look like for you to come and us work together? How can we help you? Is it a messaging thing? Social media. You start talking about students, let them play with social media. It's pretty crazy. Um, Or another one that uh, was a pretty cool one in last semester is working with our local housing authority. We put students and faculty into the equation of the local housing authority as they're looking to build some new things. And I don't know if you've seen uh, like the new Jacksonville housing authority, it's a neighborhood. It's most people hear housing authority and you think one thing, the reality is today looks very different and it's serving that mom who is working so hard to get her GED and working so hard to take that next step, but it's needs housing is a big deal. And so of course your students walking in to the local housing authority and meeting with the officials to see what's possible what students are fantastic at is studying other places. There's other places in our country doing some great stuff. Let's go learn from that. Uh, and so students' engagement, we have uh, Sparrow's Promise in Searcy, which is what used to be Searcy Children's Home. The way they're serving our community, uh, one of the things, they completely remodeled their facility so they could be a family visit center uh, in partnership with DCFS, which has been a great door open in so many different ways. Well, it was a student group led by Professor Amy Cox, who completely did the remodel of that facility based on knowledge and information from a lot of different places in interior design. So you can walk through there today. It's a completely different place. Well, that was students using their academic field for the greater good. And now those students can graduate and go anywhere in the country and point back and say, you know, I was a part of that in a community. I would argue Every community in our country needs a family visit center. We mm-hmm. need to see more kids going home to their parents. Oh, yeah. And so they've got to resource that in a way. And taking folks on their visits to McDonald's isn't helping anybody. What does it look like to have a facility that's intentionally designed to hopefully see more parents reunited with their kids? And that's the goal that was given to a group of students uh, in the interior design department. And they jacked a not just a home run. They had a grand slam, in my opinion. Uh, so those are just some other ways in which um, within our community we're trying to say, how can we be of help? Okay, so I'm going to assume that you are at the the top of the list here in this particular area, correct? It is. It, we, I'm in the Office of Community Connection. Okay, yes. so let's let's talk about that. How did you get there? I mean, what... What possessed you to uh, want to take that on? Getting in foster care, to be honest. Okay. Uh, our family, a number of years ago, got into foster care and just started to see, come on, we can do better. Uh, and I tell folks, I was actually in a meeting where the governor was there, and I heard him come in, and he does what a governor does, and he gave his speech, and then he left in his room full of people who were trying to figure out a problem and who acknowledged that in Arkansas we had some real issues. Okay, so we do. Um, so how I walked, do we address those well, issues? Exa- well, and I walked out of the room frustrated, and my frustration was I had just sat through a meeting where everybody said that anybody could do all the good things that nobody did. Right? Nobody's pointing fingers. We were just right. I'm like, okay, we just acknowledge we have the problems, but what are we going to do? And it was at that moment that I went back to Dr. McClarty, our president at Harding, and I said, I think we could have some interns this summer. Uh, and there'll be Harding interns working with the Restore Hope initiative that the governor had put together, led by Paul Chapman. I think we work with Paul and put some students into this and really say, hey, 
what what can be done and do the research so that group of people comes back together, we can put some information in front of them and say, all right, let's talk about doing this. You're talking about putting skin in the game. Let's put skin, and we did, and the students were unbelievable. And that kind of started us um, in this journey in that direction of, okay, well, we've learned one. I tell folks one of the biggest moments came, we took that group of students, the seven interns that summer, into the White County Detention Center. And they had some plans, and they had Pollyanna eyes about this could happen. And I'll Mm -hmm. never forget a prisoner who's probably in his 70s who was very kind but very direct and said, this is all great, but I don't need anything you've said. I need my license back. And they were like, he said, in Arkansas, I don't get my license back until all my fines are paid off and I owe the state $75,000. Whoa. I'm like, wait a minute. He said, but – they want me to get out of here and get a job, but not have my license till I pay all those fines back. Well, that doesn't work. That, that's kind of bad. How am I going? I mean, we don't live in a county with the greatest public transportation system. Yeah, How about not a public transportation system. Right. And so here, the students were going. What that? What? And then did some homework. It was true at the time. Now that has since legislation has passed, and that has changed. And now, if you have gotten out, and it wasn't a vehicular related um, crime, then you can get your license back. Uh, that's a big deal. Now, again, how did that come about? It came about because some students with some faculty showed up and started to listen. And again, when you listen, you learn something. And I'll never forget walking out of the jail that day and the students looking going, that can't be true. Yeah. Well, well, it was true. And so then they learned the process of how would you change that? Um, And so – that that's where it started for myself and uh, just knowing we have a university led by our president dr mcclarty who has said let's see what it looks like for us to be a better neighbor all right andrew baker we appreciate you coming in as far as uh you know parents are concerned their kids are looking at what university they want to go to sounds like a good reason to pick harding over any other university we would love to see them all right we appreciate you coming in thanks so much thank and you thank you for the great work Evidently, you're doing and that the students at Harding University are doing as well. Appreciate your time. All right. We'll take a break. Uh, Robert Steinbach is going to check in with us. They've got a big meeting over at uh, uh, the uh, Bowen School of Law tonight about Second Amendment. I'll tell you about that when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. It's uh, 10 minutes till 9 here at 101.1 FM, The Answer, home of the Rush Limbaugh Show, and 39 Degrees. All right, let's continue on, finish it up for a Thursday. It has blown past today. I mean, this has been a uh, fast show today uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. And, of course, uh, it's uh, 39 degrees. It's interesting. Here at the very end, we're going to uh, end with somebody who's going to talk to us about things that Matt Harriman talked with us earlier today from the NRA and that's uh, Robert Steinbach. And uh, R- Robert will be here tomorrow, typically. I, I'm sure you're coming in tomorrow, Robert. Is that not correct? That is correct, 7 to 9. Okay, 7 to 9 tomorrow. I had Matt on today from the NRA. He's our state sure. director. And uh, uh, did you know that they pulled their any kind of uh, support for John Cooper in District 21? They've given it all over to Dan. I saw that. I saw that. Okay. All right. I didn't know if you yes. had seen it or not, but we talked yes. about that today. And he was right. huge about stand your ground, said that in the next uh, uh, General Assembly that they feel that they will definitely get that 
uh, passed and was talking about Ballinger and writing the uh, the material up that they needed. But enough about that. Tonight, you're going to have some people together over at the Bowen School of Law, and uh, this is a big meeting about the 2A, correct? That's right. Uh, tonight, over at the Bowen School of Law, the um, Society, excuse me, the Second Amendment Society <clears throat> at the Bowen School of Law is putting on a program. Uh, Hannah Webb Howard is the founder and president of that organization, and they are putting, we, whatever, uh, however one phrases it, uh, are putting on a, uh, a program on Stand Your Ground, primarily, and other legislative efforts uh, that relate to the Second Amendment. Uh, and we are going to have a whole panel, it turns out, of great people, legislators, and would be, meaning possibly future legislators, some folks who are competing uh, for positions, and uh, Reverend Iverson Jackson. And we had tried mm-hmm. with great effort to get uh, someone from the left. This started out, incidentally, just we're going to have a couple of folks to come talk about their efforts to pass the bill. Bob Ballinger, right, just come talk about what he had done. And then we had another person. We had another person. And it became so large, we said, you know what, we need to uh, uh, get, and we realized that even in the process, get some folks from the left, even though, without a doubt, the members of the Second Amendment Society overwhelmingly are pro-Second Amendment, right? That's why most people would join a club like that, although it's open to everybody. Right. And we we contacted, I think, four state senators, that's over 10% of the uh, state Senate, as well as a handful of other folks, and we couldn't get anybody to come, just to be clear, not because they didn't want to come, but everybody had a conflict, or almost everybody had a conflict, uh, either everybody or almost everybody. So unfortunately, so far, we don't have anybody uh, sort of arguing the other side. I'll be the moderator, and so I'll try to play devil's advocate, because as you know, I am a pro-Second Amendment type, and I'm a pro-stand-your-ground legislation individual. Yes. So, But we'll try to have a good discussion. It's not a debate, but we, I think we'll have a good, open discussion, and we'll take questions from the audience as well. Uh, just to be clear, the views expressed by the club members, by the club, uh, by the president who I mentioned, I'm the faculty advisor, in no way necessarily reflect the views of uh, University of Arkansas, UA Little Rock, or the Bowen School of Law, and none uh, of the folks who are almost all political types, uh, none, the actions of the club don't serve as an endorsement of any of those individuals, nor is the school endorsing any of necess- – well, no, not necessarily – nor is the school endorsing any of those individuals because both the club and the school, of course, doesn't endorse a political candidate. Yeah, but individuals the, can. Yeah, the b- bottom line is that this uh, particular get-together would be the perfect – thing for somebody to come to who has any kind of legitimate question about the second amendment that is exactly right and of course we won't cover everything about the second amendment and we're starting our focus narrowly on stand your ground but then we will expand backwards time allowing for other legislative issues relating to gun rights and those are of course, are aptly also characterized Second Amendment. As you know, incidentally, uh, I am representing Chris Corbett in this lawsuit to allow, pursuant to statute, attorneys to carry guns in Arkansas courts. Right. And 
Chris Corbett's wife was kind enough to make a bunch of wonderful Second Amendment and Second Amendment related buttons. So if you come to the presentation tonight and you're one of the first whatever number of buttons she has, and I don't know what that is, you're going to get a free button uh, for Stand Your Ground or Second Amendment. There are a variety of them. Uh, so that is a little uh, enticement there for the folks listening. All right. And you got anybody going to throw it up on, uh, uh, you know, Facebook or anything like that? Uh, well, it's interesting you ask that. Uh, there was apparently a poster put up by, uh, that said that one of the people participating was going to put it on Facebook. But because that individual, and in this context, I won't even name it, uh, is also a political candidate, as they all in some regards are, other than the reverend, uh, the the. The folks here said you shouldn't be any way linking to political candidacy, even due to the mere um, implication that there's an endorsement. None was intended. All right. We're running out. Robert, we're running out. We're running out of time. What time and where do they go? We got 10 seconds. 615. 615 at the law school. 615 at the law school for the Stand Your Ground presentation tonight. All right. I'll see you tomorrow, 7 o'clock. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Be with me at 6 a.m. tomorrow right here at 1011 FM, The Answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.